0: Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Raccoon Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's branded BK Kylie, and this is before the box score. We are in fall camp. Football is happening. Kids are back in campus, getting the COVID, spreading the COVID. It's it's like everything's totally normal, BK. Right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, there's there's been a lot of interesting stories from many campuses. Uh, Those playing, both playing and not playing, and and the players' reactions and all sorts of goofy stuff happening, but um, we are still going to have football. That is the decision that everyone's made, although I I was reminded, did you realize that the SEC uh, medical officials cleared them for practice but not for games? Did you know that?
1: I did not, but that certainly sounds like the Big Ten. I mean, they they were practicing, and then the question was, can you play games or not, and it goes back to our conversation from the last podcast, Nate, which feels like it was six years ago. It uh, does. Yeah. I don't know how you can practice but not play. I I'm still confused by this, but whatever. Uh, it is what it is. At this point, I'm just not going to understand. And uh, it's hopefully they're able to play. I I think they're going to if they're if they're this yeah. far at this point. It, as we get closer and closer to September. Uh, there's gonna be a date where there's no taxi backsies, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, I think we're getting nearer and nearer to that date. And as we get, I'd say a week or two before the first games, I just I I think you're going for it. I think there's a line in the sand, and if the SEC hasn't crossed it yet, they are getting very close to doing so.
0: I agree. Well, I'm sure they will clear them no matter what. Just kind of feels like it's inevitable at this point. So. Uh, That's more of a formality than a true concern at this point, unless, you know, an entire campus comes down with it, which they certainly seem to be trying to do. Um, But, hey, you know, that's okay. That's that's what college kids do. Right. Um, So since we last chatted, uh, believe it or not, yeah, in the six years that we did not record, uh, an official schedule came down. Uh, We posted it on Rocky and we talked about it. I talked about it. It's a doozy. It's a doozy. Not If you didn't think uh, you know 10 SEC games was going to be hard, well, adding Alabama and LSU uh, in the first three games of the season uh, would certainly make you realize that this is tough. So in order, September 26th, we have Alabama at home. Hey! Uh, would you expect
1: – but, but let's stop there what, for a second. What? Would you expect anything else – Than Mizzou finding a way to get Alabama on the schedule in a year when they weren't previously scheduled to play Alabama. And not only are they going to get Alabama on the schedule, they're going to get Alabama for what is essentially the home opener of the season. Would you expect anything less?
0: It's very Mizzou. It's very Mizzou. But... Look, I know everyone's screaming conspiracy theory. No, what the SEC did was very, very obvious. They took their four best teams, the four best coaching staffs and personnel, and they pitted them against four of the worst teams in the conference. That's very obvious what they did. There's no conspiracy. They're just trying to get their team into the playoff, right, the teams that could make it to the playoff, make sure that they do. So if there is one, we get them dollars, baby. That's what we're looking for. So open up with Alabama ho-hum. Then you turn around, In October 3rd, you go to Tennessee. Now, I think there's a lot of different opinions on, on Tennessee. I think uh, I saw the preseason poll had him at 24th, whatever that's worth. Um, everyone seems to think that Jeremy Prumitz got them turned around. There are other people who think, well, they still got the block T on their helmet, so they're still going to screw this up somehow. Um, I think it's somewhere in between. I think Tennessee very much uh, pulled a Barry Odom and got hot at the end of the year against playing some bad teams. Uh, and I'm not totally sold on what they're going to be like, but um, I don't think we're going to get another 50-17 to 17 this year. I can tell you that.
1: I just – I'll believe it when I see it. And I know that's a – it's an awful take. It's like the worst take, but it, that's how I feel about Tennessee every year. Tennessee and Texas A&M, I know – my buddy Gabe DeArmond says this every year, and he's absolutely correct. I will buy whatever the preseason expectations are and then sell it immediately. I will short that stock every single year because you're <laughs> going to end up making money off of it because they, they are at their highest point the very beginning of the year.
0: <laughs> true, very true. I mean, after Tennessee plays Missouri, they turn around and play Georgia too. So if there's any trap game feeling, you know, there's there's something to be said for that. Uh, but, of course, that doesn't. That only matters so much because Missouri then has to turn around and then second road game in a row, go to Baton Rouge, play LSU. Uh, now, my LSU preview went up today. Interesting little nugget here. LSU loses 31 guys from the 2019 team, and 20 of those are in the NFL right now. Uh, 14 were drafted, 6 were undrafted free agents. So this is not... You know, this is basically not the LSU team that did everything they did last year. Their offensive line is completely rebuilt. You know, their pass rush and their linebackers are going to be brand new. They're retooling a couple, a bunch of guys in the secondary uh, and a bunch of receivers left. So, I mean, plus their quarterback and their running back. So, this is not those LSU Tigers, but uh, it's still LSU, which recruits a lot better. Um, They are very thin.
1: Jamar Chase still play for him. Jamar
0: Chase still plays for them.
1: Yeah, I'll take LSU. Yeah,
0: yeah. They're very thin, but they're <laughs> still very talented. You know what I would love to see, actually? I want to see Ryan Walters take uh, Enos uh, Rigstraw rick- and put him right on Jamar Chase and say, show me what you can do.
1: Hey, Given reports from camp, I wouldn't be so stunned if that's the way that things go.
0: Could be. You never know. Enos is having a hell of a camp. So, yeah, LSU. Uh, and then we finally get a little bit of a respite, and we, we get to play host of Andy. Um, who, last I checked, still seemingly does not care about football and also had to suspend their practices this week because of excess COVID cases. <laughs> okay. I, there you go. Welcome to 2020. 2020 this, is, this is it. Uh, and then we get the luxury of going uh, and playing Florida at Florida. <laughs> sure. Alabama, LSU, Florida. First, third, and fifth week. Um, Florida's going to be good. We've we've covered Florida on the show. Uh, Missouri's going to be young, so just see what you can do.
1: Be very, very, very happy with two and three to start the year.
0: Hell, man, like, I'd thrilled. be happy with one and four.
1: Yeah, like one and four should be the expectation. Two and three is, wow, this is looking good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> wouldn't it be very Mizzou if those two were, you know – LSU and Florida, Florida and LSU, and LSU <laughs> Tennessee, Vandy, and Alabama. Oh, God, really?
1: Um, but they took Bama to overtime. <laughs> they got beat thirty to three at home against Vanderbilt, <laughs> and Tennessee just laid it on them forty two to six. God,
0: that would be it would be incredibly funny. And because this season doesn't matter, I would I would sign up for that. I really would. Um but
1: Yeah, going down to Death Valley and beating LSU, yeah, yeah sign me up for that. Yeah, you only do that so often. Sign me up for often. that right now.
0: You only do it so often. Yeah. Just get get it once, you know? Um so yeah, after after we go to Florida we play Kentucky at home and God just What did you, what do we keep saying about Kentucky? Just win? Doesn't matter? Just win? That,
1: that's the swing game right there because I mean, there's not a whole lot of momentum you can create because, and we'll get to this, but the next game is against Georgia at home, and they ain't beating Georgia this year. But that's the swing game for the expectations, the hopes, the anticipation of the season. I I think it really does swing on what they do against Kentucky, and go ahead and stop me if you've heard this one before, but South Carolina (laughs) would be the other game. It's those two games. It's always the case for Mizzou, but it is certainly the case for Mizzou this year.
0: Luckily, after Kentucky, we have a, uh, an off week, uh, so injuries and COVID can recover just in time to play Georgia at home, um, who is slated to be the fourth-best team in the country uh, with with a, basically an awesome defense and a retooled offense. So, you know, Georgia's going to Georgia. So, Georgia. 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 <laughs> Georgia's going to Georgia. Uh, and then, you know, and, and you know, it's kind of one of those things like how much, you know, whatever you do against Georgia is what it is. But, yeah, South Carolina's right after that. And we have to go to columbia east so that's your other swing game one swing game at home one swing game on the road that makes sense um south carolina you yeah. know kind of unlucky last year um we got it they got to still have a young quarterback in ryan holinsky uh but this is this is how you this is your measuring tape can you beat them mm-hmm. at home and that'd be or yeah on the road i should say and that would be that would be an opportunity for a good statement for the young Drinkwitz regime
1: and that's the thing, and I think Barry Odom got knocked with this a lot early in his tenure, I don't think unfairly, you've got to have an upset somewhere. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to pull off an upset where people are like, oh, okay, this, this is heading in the right direction. And I think if you look to Iowa State, for instance, like early in the tenure of that coaching staff, they had a few upsets where you could see very clearly this thing's trending in the right direction. Even it, with uh, with Braum at Purdue, mm-hmm. they pulled off some upsets early on. And look, the the, the highs haven't been as high probably in, in recent years as, as they would like. But early on, because that was kind of on the same trajectory as Odom here, you saw, okay, there's something here. There's something about this system, this quarterback. They're going to be able to potentially build something here. Odom never got that. You never had that feeling of, wow, he beat who? And he did it how? With that defense? Wow, that's amazing. Maybe they're going to be able to pull this off. And so with Eli Drinkwitz, that's the thing. is I'm not asking him to beat Bama and LSU and Florida and Georgia all this season. No, of course not. That's silly. But make one of those close maybe pull off an upset at one, during one week this season and if you're able to do that or you go on the road against South Carolina and you just you dominate them something like that mm-hmm. that's where you start feeling a sense of confidence with obviously everything we've seen in the off season but then also with what he's been able to put on the field mm-hmm. with the product as well
0: absolutely and and you know this is this, that's a good measuring stick game right there um Because then you get to play Arkansas at home. That's not going to be at Arrowhead. That's going to be in Columbia. Um, Should beat them. You should beat Arkansas. They are starting over just like we are. Uh, But it kind of feels like, because I'm a Mizzou fan and not an Arkansas fan, it feels like they're a little bit deeper (laughs) in the hole than we are. Um, But that's a good one to win. Uh, Make the crowd feel good. Make the fans feel good in your last home game, however many people are there. Because then the season got extended because we're starting so late. And the last game is at Mississippi State in Stark, Vegas. And, um, again, Mississippi State is also a rebuilding team with a brand-new coaching staff. Um, the Mike Leach offense will probably be clicking at full Mike Leach mock-up speed, but um, there's a lot of holes to fill on that team. And that could be another one where it's like, oh, Missouri's not really given a chance here. You know, uh, you know, Mississippi State, for however, however good or bad they are, will probably win. Um, and this is another potential swing game for the Tigers to possibly steal
1: yeah this is a a big one as well um i I think this one feels more likely to me than South Carolina really? uh, the facts I so I, I'm of two minds here um on one hand I I think you've got a better shot against Mississippi state on the other hand I kind of wish that game was in week one as opposed to at the very end of the season. Yep um and that the scheduling in terms of like the series of events and the sequencing of them doesn't really help you out here uh, i i think they need to get at least one of those two yeah i would like to see them win both of those games and finish on that three game winning streak to really feel good going into the off season but I think in order to get to the record that you want to see from Mizzou, you need to win one of South Carolina and Mississippi State. You've got to win the game against Arkansas. You've got to win the game against Vandy. And then you've probably got to beat either Kentucky at home or Tennessee on the road. And that's if you get to four and six this year, I think you feel pretty good about it. Four
0: and six, I'd be impressed. I'd be super impressed.
1: Yeah, that that's where you should feel really confident going into the following season. Mm-hmm. If you can get to 4 and 6, that's that's where you feel really good. I think the the over under for me is about 3. Um mm-hmm. I th- I think you've got to get to 3 to kind of feel like it was a okay season. Mm-hmm. If you get to 2, I think I can understand being disappointed and anything less than that is uh, pretty disappointing. Yeah. So what If you only beat Arkansas this year, that's a bad season.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> it'd be funny, but it would be not not a good season. I would be happy with two wins if if it was just Vanderbilt really? and Arkansas. I'd, look, dude, this season.
1: I guess that's fair. It, I, it doesn't matter how it happens to. I have
0: just stopped caring, and it's really weird. Like, <laughs> I, I, we are a month away from the season. I'm just like, eh. like, <laughs> if it feels a normal season. I think it's gonna change
1: whenever you see it, though. I think I think You're it's gonna change right. whenever you see You're it. You're
0: probably right. You're right.
1: We'll see Mizzou lose forty-two to nothing against Alabama, and you'll be like, "Dude, come on! Like zero? <laughs> Couldn't get a single field goal? Uh, Couldn't even get into field goal range? Never crossed the fifty? Really? God. Yeah. I, I can I can feel that post game show it. coming. I can Feel it.
0: <laughs> All right, so yeah, Vandy, Vandy, Arkansas. Let's say you got to win those, right? And then your swing days: mm-hmm. Kentucky, Mississippi State, South Carolina, two of which are on the road. Uh, and then everything, anything else outside of that is gravy. Okay, okay, so four games, yeah, I can see it.
1: Yeah, I I think the, the hope is four, three is the over-under. Three yeah. is where you, the, that's the break-even point where I feel like, okay, you did what you needed to do this year.
0: I don't even think you need to do three and a half, because really, I think it's truly, they're going to win four, or they're going to win two, honestly. Yeah. You know, like, ah. Very weird. Very weird. Um, but, I mean, that's how it is. Now, everybody, every team in the SEC has an, has a bye week on December 12th. And from what I understand, I haven't heard anything official, but it sounds like December 12th is, like, catch-up week, which is right before SEC uh, championship. So, like, if there are any games that weren't played for COVID reasons that would impact, like, the division race, they would play it on the 12th. Um, I don't know if like.
1: So Mizzou's not going to be playing on the twelfth.
0: You don't know that. Okay, you're right. They're not playing on
1: the twelfth. <laughs> or, or maybe they will. We don't. We don't have to worry about the implications. We don't have to worry here. about
0: implications. But maybe there's like, hey, we got the, you know, we got the inventory. We we bought up the space. You know, let's let's put something on. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Um, but then the SEC championship For- is on December nineteenth. Go ahead. That
1: makes sense. I, I was just gonna say, um, it, like, I hope Mizzou plays on December twelfth. That sounds great. <laughs> I. I don't think we have to worry about what would what would it take for them to get there. I I just call me crazy. I don't think that's gonna be in the in the Tigers' cards this yeah. year. Right. If it is, then go ahead and build the statue now of Eli Drinkwitz because <laughs> that dude's <laughs> gonna be amazing. Yeah,
0: no kidding. Interesting little wrinkle here, at least from my end. Um, let's see here: Vanderbilt, Florida, and Kentucky. We play them right before their bye week so vanny has well i guess that's only four games in a row just like us uh really it's like all of us but florida will have one two three four five games in a row kentucky poor kentucky one two three four five we are the sixth game in a row for them so they get the latest buy uh in the sec so does that mean anything listener probably not but interesting little wrinkle um, and then right before our here the game before our bye week is Kentucky, and the game after our bye week is Georgia. So, ugh, whatever. But yeah, this season is goofy. It's weird, and like I said, I don't. It's it's very whose line is it anyway? The points are made up, right? The rules are made up. Points don't matter. Like just just have a season, get through it. And what's really pushed me in that direction, BK, and I think you agree with me, is this absurd ruling from the NCAA saying that eligibility in the fall football season, you can do, you can play however many games you want. You can opt out. You can play. You can sit. You can actually play. You can start, whatever. Your eligibility stays the same. Stays the same. So, for example... Sean Robinson could take every snap of the 2020 season. And in 2021, he will still be a redshirt sophomore. <laughs> Brady Cook could start every single game <laughs> in 2020. And in 2021, he will still be a true freshman. Um, I have some thoughts, but I know that BK has a lot of thoughts. So I'm going to let you yeah. go first.
1: Okay. The NCAA, as we know, does a lot of really stupid things. This is among the worst. I don't understand anything about this rule. I don't think they took more than 10 seconds to think about this rule. Mm -hmm. I think the NCAA, frankly, wanted to show that they still have some power over the Power 5 conferences. Mm -hmm. I think that's all this is about. I think the NCAA saw all of the news about... So we're just going to go by conference and decide who's playing and who's not? Is there, is there no like national power that can determine, hey, we are playing college football or we are not playing college football? By the way, the answer to that question is no, there's not. The NCAA has just punted on that decision. Mm-hmm. So they have decided that this is where they are going to legislate. And their decision is, hey, uh, anybody that wants to play this year, go ahead and play. And just pretend it never happened. Just restart next year and, oh, there's scholarship limits? Yeah, we're not sure how that's going to work. Uh, there's players that you actually don't want to have six years of eligibility? Eh, figure that out. Uh, coaches, sorry about it. Uh, we're not really sure how this is going to affect your recruiting, but again, figure it out. I'm sure everything is going to be fine. <laughs> what? They just, like, threw a grenade into a room with 120 coaches and we're like, "Hey, sorry boys, good luck in there." And closed the door on them and hoped that everything was going to go well. Like <laughs> this is horrendous. I I'm I'm happy for some of these guys that are now going to be able to get a a full masters degree <laughs> that is paid for by them. Like that's all great. Oh my God. But what are they doing? In what world is this a good idea? Seriously, in what world is this a good idea?
0: Look, man, I'm not saying that the NCAA is run by coked-out lemmings, but only coked-out lemmings would make a decision as dumb as this one. Because, again, it is for the football players. It's not for the soccer players, It's not for the volleyball players who had their seasons completely destroyed. Just What about the spring season? Like, what are we doing? We're not, yeah, we're not talking about the Big Ten and Pac-12 who are still conceivably playing in the spring. So the Big 10 and the Pac 12? No, I'm not even talking about that Nate. I'm talking about
1: literally the spring 2020 <laughs> season. That it never happened. It never took place never. and they were like, "Hey, if you were a senior, go ahead and like we'll give the individual schools the the potential to renew your scholarships. Otherwise, everybody else this year counted for you." It's like they none of them played. The the sports were literally canceled. Yes. Meanwhile, the is about to play football this fall, and they're like, hey, everybody come back. Everybody just <laughs> pretend it never happened. <laughs> like, you're the same classification the following season. Like, what? <laughs> what?
0: And instead of screwing over one class of kids, which in this case would be the graduating class of 2021, those seniors who had played in 2020, instead of just screwing those kids over and saying, hey, really sorry, this is going to hurt you and only you, they hurt everybody they hurt any freshman who's coming in to play sports because yeah are you going to expand the scholarship limits for the next six years going forward when is the cutoff <laughs> so you're going to screw over those seniors six years down the line seven years down the line 10
1: how does that work you're screwing over there was one. a very th- this was so easy Nate. this was so easy it, w- it could have been that they, ha- they had the blueprint like they, they did this in the spring and they were like hey seniors this sucks like this this is really too bad for you guys and your season was totally screwed over and if you can come back for another year and you want to if you make that decision that you would like to come back for another year of eligibility you feel free to do so that scholarship will not count against your university for the scholarship restrictions and we're just gonna we're gonna hold you over to next year and and give you that right because this was unfair to you Mm -hmm. And then they just totally took that playbook, ripped it up in a million different pieces, <laughs> threw it into a bonfire, and then lit gasoline and, like, threw an entire bucket of gasoline on it and just pretended as if it never existed before. Like, wh-
0: Amazing. Why? Amazing. Why? Amazing. Absolutely incredible. Now, for all the idiots who are saying, oh, so what, Trevor Lawrence is going to win a national championship this year? Turn around, come back next year, win another, and then turn around another year and do that? No, no. He's gone after this year, no matter what. That's not the point. The guys who can make it in the NFL, they're still counting down to three years and getting the heck out of there.
1: It's the other Yeah, guys. Nick Bolton's gone next year, yeah, regardless. Nick
0: Bolton's gone, no matter what. It's the other guys, right? It is your it's your Kobe Whitesides. It's your Trey Williams. Trey, Trey Williams is? Trey's Williams? I don't, whatever. Those guys, the seniors who are pretty good. Um, who would have no eligibility, but now? Oh, surprise! Now you can come back. Which, if that's what they wanted to do, cool, they can. Um, but that creates a backlog because, again, keep in mind Missouri. Let's let's keep this Missouri focused. Right now, eighty-one scholarships. Next season, that bumps up to eighty-five. Well, that's how it's supposed to work. Now, if you're bringing in a class of twenty-five and you already have eighty-one, are you? Can you really carry 106 scholarships? <laughs> is, that, is that what we're yeah. doing? <laughs> Are they going to feed 106 scholarship athletes plus all the walk-ons? Are they going to pay for all the classes and the books? You know, for whatever that costs them. Uh, but as far as residence goes, you're going to put them in there. You're going to you're going to eat those costs too. Like for 106 scholarship kids, that that's 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 what these that's what we're while to do.
1: hemorrhaging money in the meantime. By yeah. the way, yeah.
0: Now, they got a nice little $2 million bump the other day. That's great. Thank you, David Johnson or whoever that was. 2000000 million isn't going to cut <laughs> anywhere close to what the athletics department is going to be spending over these next couple of years
1: at all. And here's the here's the dirty little secret. And I, I know people don't like to talk about this because these are kids, and I understand that. But um, there are players on the roster that the coaching staff is just waiting to run the clock out on. Yeah, like they. They recruit them. They believe that they're going to be good players. They get them on campus, and they immediately know, "Oh no, we missed. Like the, this guy is never going to play significant snaps for us. Never. It's just not going to happen." And sometimes that means that that player is on campus for five years. <laughs> And that dude is just going to be there eating up a scholarship for five years. He's never going to step on the field. He's a perfectly adequate human being off of it. He gets his degree and God bless him for it, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all root for that guy to be able to get what he earned by getting that scholarship whenever he arrived at the university by earning it based on what he did in high school. Mm -hmm. No question. I'm, I'm here for that. The problem if I'm a coach and I'm looking at it through that prism here is that same kid, That previously would have redshirted as a freshman, then he stays there for his redshirt freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year. Now gets, by the way, a super senior year on top of that. So And that just backlogs things once again, like you were mentioning there, Nate. It makes things more and more difficult for these coaches. They're trying to recruit, and they don't know now what the numbers are going to look like, not only for next year, but the year after, and the year after that. And now you're looking five years down the road, and you're like, how in the world am I supposed to plan for any of this while now having so much uncertainty of what the restrictions look like in terms of the numbers, what my roster now looks like, who's leaving, who's staying. It just it throws everything into whack, and it was completely unnecessary to have to have this happen.
0: Think of the three-star player who might also play, you know, baseball or basketball or wrestling or something like that who was interested in playing football but now sees that everybody on the roster he's coming to is coming back and you know three star he can play he's probably not going to start his first year and certainly now not the second probably not the third maybe he goes a different direction maybe he does go into wrestling maybe he does go into baseball instead there are going to be this is going to be forcing so many kids to not play football which I know listening to this podcast, you all care about football. Um, This sport particularly requires a lot of people to play. So you need a lot of options for kids to play at the high school level. So some of that funnels up to the college level. So some of that funnels up to the NFL level. If you cut any of that stuff out, D2, FCS, G5, If you lose players at that level, the JUCOs, right? If you lose players at that level, that's fewer guys to move up. That's less quality in the college. That's less quality in the NFL or just fewer players to play overall. It is such a intertwined, very close-knit ecosystem that requires everybody to have somebody. And if you are extending this out and keeping hold of some of those guys, you are disrupting the entire ecosystem. This is like taking, well... Your gasoline and dropping it in a swamp, okay? You just screwed everything up. And again, the question is why? Why would you do that? Can we go back? Can we take it back? Like it's not official yet, right? Can we just say, "Oh, sorry, that was really dumb." <laughs> Here's actually. What I I'm hope do. so.
1: God, I hope so because this is this is silly, man. Like it really is. There's 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 not a better word for it right now because like. So Taylor Powell seems like a great kid, right? And it, it, I'm, I'm sure he's done everything right in the program. And there's this is not a shot against him by any stretch of the imagination. And I want to make that very clear up front. But I don't think Taylor Powell is probably going to be a starter at Mizzou. Oh, yeah. And I don't think that's unfair to say, right? No. And now he gets an extra year of eligibility, which, again, like I said earlier, if that means he gets a better degree for free, again, more power to him. Here's the problem, though, about that if you're a guy in Eli Drinkwitz's position. Well, you're trying to recruit at the quarterback position right now. And I'm not just talking about for this upcoming 2021 class, but the 2022 class as well. Well, if Taylor Powell decides to take that extra year, which is his right under this new rule, and there should be nobody that holds that against him, that's his right. If you were to do so, well, that now that means you've got one less spot, potentially, for a quarterback to recruit and maybe that quarterback was supposed to be the answer after Tyler Macon. And so this is where things just get really funky with the numbers and what does it mean with Sean Robinson and what does it mean with so many other things, right? And that's just focusing at the quarterback position, but it just it changes a lot as to what the planning is, not only for the now, but for the future as well.
0: I haven't heard a coach um, I am I mean, I haven't looked super hard, but I do follow a lot of coaches. I haven't heard any of them speak out against this rule. So I literally have no idea how they feel about it. I don't know how the ADs feel about it. I don't know how, about how the schools feel about it. I know about basically how every sports writer feels about it, you and I included. <laughs> but it would be really interesting for someone to speak up and mention, hey, this is a logistical nightmare. Um, not even really any high school coaches have talked about it. So I...
1: You don't think that anybody likes it. It went under the radar, dude. That's that's the weird thing is like this is such a wide-ranging and long-lasting rule that impl- uh, that has long-term implications on so many different areas of the sport. And yet it flew totally under the radar because everybody's attention was on whoa, what's going on at Notre Dame? North Carolina and NC State both went online and they're still playing football? Are we doing this, SEC? Big Ten, Pac-12, there's been some weird stuff going on with those conferences in recent weeks. Like, all of the focus was on that. Deservedly so. There's just so much stuff with college football right now that this massive change to the college football ecosystem, as you put it, like, totally flew under the radar. It was as if it was just, hey... Uh, some people met. They voted on some things, and they passed. <laughs> it's like, wait, I th- I feel like this was a little it's a bigger than day that.
0: At the office, hell yeah. <laughs> God, uh, I am sure they think they're doing the right thing. That's the worst part. But again, if you take three and a half minutes to think this through, you will realize how many people you are hurting, especially when you you have no guidance to get through it um now maybe they are coming up with something i don't know that's certainly expecting a lot from a institution that delivers very little but um that's where we're at get excited for Connor basilak in uh 2024 <laughs> being the backup at 23 years old you know hey cool 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 oh my god um
1: did you say backup in 2024 because i think he might be the oh, starter right, in 2020 yeah, right. man yeah
0: <laughs> Silly me. (laughs) But, yeah, it just just adds to the absolute stupidity of this season overall. Eligibility, doesn't matter. Schedule, all conference. All conferences playing? Nope. Most conferences playing? Nope. Just a handful. Like, okay, cool. We're going to rank 25 teams when, like, 63 are playing? Okay. Cool. Cool. Why not just rank them all? That's my question. Why not rank every single team? That can't be hard. You got 14, in the ACC, 14, in the SEC. That's 28. Plus 10, that's 38. Plus American, that's 48. Plus Sunbelt. I guess, yeah, you can do that. Just rank them all. Rank them all.
1: Nate, there is no rhyme or reason why we are doing anything that we are doing other than got to get gotta that get money. Got, got to get that money. It's all a cash, bra- cash grab. And we all know that. And the thing that I am amazed by is how some universities are being so transparent about it. <laughs> like I thought if a school went offline or yeah. excuse me, online, rather, I guess would be the way to put it. If a school decided, you know what? We have too many COVID cases here. We just can't have these in-person class, uh, in, in person classes. This is unacceptable. Oh, well, then football's got to go. We-, we just can't play sports this fall. Because that's what so many high schools have done, right? Like, we're-, we're seeing this at the high school level. Why would it be different at the college level if it is at the same level of amateurism, right? Well, we all know that's not the case. But if it were actually the same, it would be treated the same. Can't have in-person classes. Can't have in-person football. Well, NC State, Notre Dame north carolina like these schools have just laughed at that notion and have said "Ha, ha, ha, that's funny we're gonna keep on playing because we get this big green paycheck at the end of the year that says our name on it and we need that right about now which i don't necessarily have a problem with i just didn't expect them to be so transparently open about the fact that they treat their athletes differently than they treat every other player person on campus and it definitely leaves them open to litigation moving forward as a result of that but again I understand it, because you got to get that money.
0: Nothing matters but the almighty daughter. Did you see what happened in Oklahoma today? What Lincoln Riley said happened? So here's what happened. Lincoln Riley said that they lost an entire position group. Well, all but one. They lost. He didn't say which position group, but he said that he lost everybody except one guy to COVID. And he said that it was a position group. That requires several of these guys on the field at one time. So run that through your head. That could be offensive line. That could be receivers. That could be defensive line, linebackers, or secondary.
1: Basically anything other than quarterback or running back. Basically, yeah. He lost all of them. Or tight end, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, tight end too. But he lost all of them except for one.
1: Mm.
0: So you could conceivably – and I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know how they're going to cancel games. I don't know what they're going to do. But let's say it is the offensive line. And let's say they go, you know what, screw it, we're playing anyway. <laughs> and they get their defensive linemen out there. Or hell, they get, like, the running backs out there as an offensive hey, line. Hey, this is
1: a big deal. Wait, th- this happened today? Happened today. Like, th- they just lost a-, a position group? Yep. Dude, we have... 18 days until they play their first game.
0: 7 hours ago, Lincoln Riley says Oklahoma position group heavily impacted by COVID-19.
1: Yo, they play on September 12th against Missouri State. <laughs> like,
0: uh, like this is
1: this is not an insignificant thing because this Like there are some guys, and to kind of bring in my my local angle on this, like the St. Louis Blues had certain players that tested positive for COVID. Some of them were announced publicly, others were just said to be unfit to play because you know how the NHL is. Um, And some of those players weren't right the entire return to play in terms of like their breathing and their conditioning. Like they just weren't right. So uh, it's it's not outlandish to suggest that like those players might not be right in their first game when they play against missouri state coming up here in a few Agreed.
0: weeks completely agree that's scary man that's scary if that can happen that quickly you know we talked about um you know th- keeping like members of position groups in separate rooms right so a defensive lineman with a receiver and stuff like so if one person has it you know it doesn't spread we talked about you know, taking Taylor Powell and locking him in a room 50 miles away so he doesn't interact with anybody and can be emergency quarterback. Like, we might be getting there. We might be getting there if you, if you really want to have a season with college football players on a college campus because this is what can happen. Entire position group wiped out like that. And that's scary.
1: Dude, this thing spreads quickly. And if, if we've learned anything through sports, it is that. We saw what happened with the St. Louis Cardinals. They were playing, and then suddenly one guy tested positive, and boom, you've got 18, 19 people throughout the organization, both players and team personnel. That suddenly have the virus and you can't play for basically three weeks, and it's so hard to get back on the field because then if you come back too quickly, well, you've got one guy who was in the incubation period who wasn't actually testing positive at the time, and now he is exposing other people, and you've got your second outbreak because you came back one day too early, and so uh, this is it's gonna it's we've said this all along, and you have certainly been on the forefront of this, but it's gonna be really hard to pull this thing off. So far, it seems like they've done a really good job Mm -hmm. um, of being able to find a way to push through. But the real test started at Mizzou last week Mm -hmm. when kids finally got back on campus. That was the first real test. And now we're going to see over the coming days and weeks Uh, If they're actually going to be able to do this or not. And several schools have already decided, no, we can't have this football plus school thing at the same time. But they're still going to keep the football team going. Um, I I will be very interested to see, Nate, if they kind of... They end up falling into what is essentially a bubble. Despite the fact that they had no plans of going to a bubble. Because if they go online, uh, that basically would then put the football team inside of more or less a bubble. Which football is good for the kids you know it sucks but
0: uh i was not at the mizzou meeting uh, this afternoon but um jacob and Cortai were and eli Drinkwitz shared a story that uh i guess a fire alarm was pulled in one of the dorms last night so everybody had to wake up and get out and he he coach drinkwitz also got up and got out to check on him and he was concerned by the lack of masks being worn in the middle of the night Uh, For the fire alarm, because I guess they just woke up and and ran, which makes sense. But that's a group of people. You kind of look at them now going, okay, you weren't masked up. You were out. Um, Does something come of this? You know what? and, And these are the types of things you have to think about, which is insanity.
1: It is. Uh, I I will say this for Eli Drinkwitz. He, he seems to be taking it very seriously, mm-hmm. and I mean, that as he should, right? Any yeah. coach, I, I would hope, in his position would, because I mean there's a lot of money on the line, and that money means jobs, and those jobs mean development, or recruiting, or whatever it is. So there's a lot of different implications on being able to play this football season, as we all know at this point. We've talked about it so much, but man it's there are a lot of little decisions that could lead to huge huge ramifications throughout the league and throughout the team and it's it's little stuff like that or it's the party that all of us saw the pictures of at Brookside at the at the um, pool on the rooftop it's it's all of that little stuff or guys going out to field house for penny pitchers mm-hmm. or Guys going out to Big Twelve on a Sunday for dollar burgers. Like whatever it is. Like, you just uh, you gotta be smart, man. You gotta be smart with this stuff. Yeah. And it's hard, right? It like, is. we've both been college kids. I, I went to Mizzou. You know how hard it would have been for me on a Saturday night to not have gone to Harpos, or for me on a on a random Thursday after I've been out all night to to not go to Los Margs or Mm -hmm. to not go to El Rancho or whatever your favorite place is. Like it's tough, man. You're at, you're at Mizzou. You're in this awesome environment with so many kids that are your same age and you just want to hang out and you can't. And that's what we're asking these kids to do right now. And it's the only way we're going to be able to play this season.
0: It's unfair to ask 18 year old kids to do the right thing. When you put them with a bunch of other 18 year olds, like that's, Mm -hmm. that is not fair.
1: And yet that's the requirement. That's what it's not we're even doing. an ask. It's the requirement. Yeah,
0: that's what we're doing. So, I mean, we all knew it was going to come to this, and, and here we are. Oh, God. Well, if only there was something we could have done. Huh. <sighs> well, out of all the COVID talk, we, we still have camp going on. Um, we are, we've been doing our position previews uh, the past two weeks. Quarterbacks, running backs, re- receivers, and tight ends were this week. Um, really when you're looking at it, at least from the skill positions, it's a pretty easy story. Running backs are coming in from a uh, position of strength. Receivers are coming from a position to prove something. We don't know who the starting quarterback is, and the tight ends are all lovely blockers, but haven't really seen anything as far as the pass game goes. Um, just from a skill position standpoint, and, and really Kiki him aside, because we have beaten that horse to death, <laughs> Misu Media, mm-hmm. uh, just Kiki and, and all of the, the starting quarterback stuff aside, Um, what's the, what's the story that you've been following or what have you really been looking forward to from, from camp?
1: So let me one quick aside on the quarterback situation first. I don't know who's starting and I don't know how how anybody can possibly say that they have any inclination as to where it's going because none of us have seen them in practice. And so I think it's really funny. Um, we all kind of just assume that Sean Robinson's going to start this Mm -hmm. year because Sean Robinson has started before and like that's just that's what we default to right like this guy has started so this guy probably will start and that like we have no idea how this coaching staff views sean robinson True, maybe they love him or maybe they think he doesn't fit anything that they want to do um, and so I, I just find that fascinating um but that being said I, I do still think he's the front runner for literally no reason that's just where I'm at in my head well, so not, galaxy not brain time no
0: reason if you're a starter at a p5 school and you know coach looper is familiar with you and you know apparently you were pushing Kelly Bryant last year like we have some anecdotal stuff to pull on to say yeah this makes sense but you're right from from a seeing it with your own eyes we are completely blind you're right
1: seeing it with my own eyes and hearing it through their mouth, right? Like, we we, we yeah. don't know how they feel yeah. about it. So um, all of that is to say that is obviously the number one storyline. However, um, I do have a piece coming up later this week. By the time that you hear this, I'm assuming it will be either up, or close to being up, uh, about Damon Hazelson. Yeah. The other grad transfer, because we have heard so much about Kiki Chisholm, and if you missed any of the pieces that went up about him earlier this week, there are plenty of them, and they are all good. He's got an awesome story, and it seems like he's really showing out at camp, so it's not undeserved hype. But I feel like in that hype, we've kind of forgotten about the guy that transferred to Mizzou first, and that is a power five receiver. Mm -hmm who went for like 1,300 total yards over the last two seasons and 16 touchdowns. Mm -hmm. The only power five receivers with more touchdowns over the last two years receiving that are returning are Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Tylen Wallace, and Tamori Terry. Those guys are all really good. Like top draft pick type of good. As I was watching a little bit of Damon Hazleton – Um, it reminded me of watching and Mizzou fans, don't scream at your your podcast right now. It reminded me of watching Jamon Moore, which (laughs) isn't a bad thing. No, No. Um he has the ability to win on the outside, which is good. Um, He has the ability to go over the top and take the top off of a defense. He can also, like, just on a quick hitch route, be a legitimate option for the quarterback and win at contested catches, spin around, give a quick uh, stiff arm, and earn you a solid seven yards on that grab. Like, he can do a lot for you. And not surprisingly, given the touchdown numbers, he's really good in the red zone. Like... Really good in the red zone. He's not afraid to be physical. He goes up and gets it. He wins at the uh, contest, uh, wins contested catches all the time. Um, he he's a really interesting player, man. And I think we have all kind of fallen in love with Kiki Chisholm. And again, it's fair to do so. I understand it, but I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year, Damon Hazleton's actually the one that had the more impactful season.
0: No, it's interesting. Uh, Damon Hazleton actually has a worse catch rate than Jamon Moore. And I think everyone always said Moore had terrible hands. But, you know, as far
1: – He's got some of – he's got a very similar game. He does. Their games are big, long uh, long strides, mm-hmm. very fast. He knows how to use his body. He's he's an interesting guy yeah. in that way. I
0: mean, a 55% catch rate with 15 yards per catch, almost 16 yards per catch, that is, that is the profile of a guy like an Emmanuel Hall. Right, who just goes deep. Now he's he's more. T- there's more to that. Emmanuel Hall was a one-trick pony, um, but Jamon Moore was nuanced. He he could do a lot of different things, like you said. So he is very impressive. Uh, he already has uh, what is it, 1,800 yards to his name and 20 touchdowns for his career. Um, and let's see, 802 of that in 2018, 524 last year in his uh, injury-shortened season. So the kid's legit. And one thing that we were really missing as a team last year uh, was a red zone threat through the air, especially once Albert O went down. Um, You know, Jonathan Johnson, Jonathan Nance, like good receivers, not like super high jumpers, not super tall. Um, And, you know, Towski Dove didn't really get any uh, playing time. C.J. Boone, Maurice Massey, the other tall guys were were red shirting. So it wasn't really weren't in a position where we had that despite the fact that I hate the play, we didn't have anyone to go for like the end zone fade or just throw it a little higher than the defense and let, uh, let somebody grab it. So,
1: And Hazleton's good at those. Mm-hmm. Like I I'm with you, Nate, it's a, it's a low percentage play, but if you're going to run it and coaches are because they love it, um, <laughs> this is the guy to throw it to. And Kiki Chisholm certainly has the body as well to be able to run that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I was also interested and in, I, I kind of want to get your reaction to this because there are certain guys who can only play one receiver position. Like we always say wide receiver, right? And we just assume that uh, the four guys out there can play wherever. That's sure. not always the case. Mm-hmm. Like there are certain guys that are better inside. There are, there are different receiver positions. There's Z, there's H, there's X, and there's Y. Those are the four main ones that, that teams use. And the Y is kind of like a, a split out tight end most of the time. And H is typically an H backslash slot receiver And the Z is, is the guy that most often lines up off of the line on the side of the tight end, or he'll flip inside into the slot at times as well. The X typically is lined up solo on the weak side of the play and he's on the line of scrimmage. So you need that guy to be able to beat man coverage. That's the number one job of the X receiver. You gotta beat man coverage. And from what I saw on film, if if I watched it correctly from what I saw, Damon Hazleton played a lot of Z, so a lot of slot, a lot of um, motions before the play his first year that he was at Virginia Tech. The following season, he was lined up a lot more outside, which appeared to be at the X position, if I'm not mistaken. And so the ability to play multiple spots with him, having that big body, being really fast, playing multiple spots, giving that those different looks to a defense, I think is really interesting for a guy like Eli Drinkwitz, who has that offensive mind and can find different ways to use these receivers. So I'll be really interested to see the way that they use him if I had to project and kind of uh, make a prediction. I think they'll play him at the Z with Kiki Chisholm playing at the X as that solo receiver with the press coverage more likely on him. But I'll be interested to see how that ultimately goes as well.
0: Yeah, and and really Jalen Knox too, because to your point, Jalen was not comfortable on the outside, and that's basically mm-hmm. where he continuously lined up. Uh, now he he was an athlete as far as a high school recruit goes, but he was running back, so he's a converted running back, and beating man coverage is a lot tougher than you might think. Uh, it's not finding a hole, it's not you know reading your blocks and moving. It is hand fighting. A lot of like quick twitch speed, muscle memory, and then hitting the burners as fast as you can, which is a little different than a running back who typically has to have some patience, kind of chop his feet a little bit. So he was not good at that. Now, I think he's very fast. I think he's got good hands, but he's not built for that sort of thing. Taking Jalen out from the outside, from the X position where he, it seemed like he usually played, and moving him on the inside, where he can be more of a slot receiver, um, you know, someone who's more of a zone buster, right? Like just find the hole and, or just find the first down and get there, and just catch it and get hit, or you know, catch it on the on a sweep or a screen real quick and make a couple guys miss and then bolt down and feel like that's
1: the TJ Mo Marcus Lucas you got role.
0: right. A lot more just kind of maneuvering through people. Uh, that's I think that's more his speed. That's more in his skill set as far as a running back goes. So seeing him move back in there, if that's how he's used, that's going to be good. So if, if Damon can play both, that's great. But we need an outside guy to pair with Kiki. Um, and I, I, that's where I would personally want to see him more. But again, I'm not a coach. I'm just a blogger in my basement. So um, yeah. there you go.
1: I think that's what we're gonna see too. I, I think if you're if you're looking at four wide sets in terms of like actual four wide receivers being on the field mm-hmm. at any given time, I think it's gonna be those three that we just mentioned with Knox, Chisholm, and Hazleton. And then I think Bannister maybe would be the fourth as the other slot wide receiver. Um, and then if you don't want to put that wide receiver out there, you could put a tight end in that spot yeah. just as easily and go go Daniel Parker there as well. So they, they've got some options. I, I actually, after watching a little bit more film on Hazleton and after hearing all of the hype on Chisholm and knowing what they have at running back and tight end, I'm weirdly kind of high. On their <laughs> skill players? Weird. I just don't know what to expect out of their quarterback. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's this weird place of being like, I kind of like the options to throw to. I just have no idea whether or not I trust the guy that's actually throwing them the football. And the guy's protecting him.
0: But that's a different story.
1: We were talking about skill players, We were talking about skill
0: players. That's a topic for next time. Um, so I, I was talking to uh, Aaron. Aaron Dryden. Um, from Rockham Nation earlier today. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the slot position in particular. And he just, he just we got to the point where he's like, okay, so if you had to start one guy in the slot, would it be Jalen Knox or Barrett Bannister? And tr- truthfully, like I just said straight up, like if if Jalen is what Jalen is and Barrett is what Barrett is, not even take into account that Jalen is playing out of position. Like we just take him as to what they have done. I would start Barrett Bannister game one. Um, I, He's got a better catch rate. He's gotten better. Yard, well, he doesn't have greater yards after catch, but he has, has better success rates. Like he's typically converting downs when he catches the ball. Um, he doesn't have a whole lot of targets, but he's reliable. He's reliable, and Jalen Knox hasn't shown that yet. However, if we do take the caveat that Jalen Knox was playing out of position and he'd do a lot better in the slot, then I would go that way. So, BK, to you, knowing nothing but what we know right now, your starting slot receiver. Game one against Alabama is—is is it Jalen Knox or is it Barrett Bannister?
1: It's Jalen Knox? Okay. Um, I uh, like Barrett Bannister is a great story, and he he was honestly like pretty productive last year. All things considered, like he 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 was better than I think anybody could have possibly he carried that him
0: Arkansas to be. game, man.
1: He he did, and he was really good in it. Um, that being said. The ceiling on Jalen Knox is just so much higher. We we saw this his freshman year. He he was really good his freshman year. Now it he didn't follow it up with a good sophomore season, and we all know the story of what was the twenty nineteen Mizzou football team, but especially the offense. Um, But he he was he came on really strong as a freshman. And if I can expect anything similar to that with a little bit um, of a better position for him and a better offensive mind who really knows how to get him involved in the offense, uh, I I think I'm going to go that route. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is just like, They're going to need playmakers out there because we have no idea what to expect from the quarterback. And if you've got an erratic quarterback, give me all of the guys on the outside and in the slot that can go make a play. Mm -hmm. And Jalen Knox, for all of his faults last year, he can still go make a play for you. And so that's, that's kind of where I would land on that one. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. I'm excited to see what these receiver guys do. And of course, Kiki Chisholm was the first to earn his number. That's a big deal with uh, the Drinkwoods fall camp. Okay.
1: What's going on here? Why are we doing this? I don't
0: don't get it either. Apparently, they already have their names or their numbers assigned. They just don't get to wear them. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a a rookie hazing thing, I guess. So, you have to to do enough for your position coach to get your number. And I'm like, cool. Like, whatever motivational thing you want to do, I'm all about it. Do it.
1: So what happens if somebody just doesn't earn their that,
0: Oh I asked that question to Kiki Chisholm actually because he was the first. And I said, So what happens if, you know, what happens to the guy who gets his number last? And he didn't answer the question. So
1: Well, of course. He's he's, no, not he's definitely to. not going to. He's not to. going to.
0: But I really want to know. <laughs> I really want to
1: know. I if you had an honest moment with drink, I would love to know. Hey, uh, so when you get like the day before the first game, and you've got a freshman who like he hasn't been playing well, and he hasn't been taking anything seriously, and he doesn't have his number yet, then what? <laughs> like, that dude's just not gonna play. That he's not gonna get his number that year. I, I'm not sure what the long term outlook on this is, but none of this stuff matters. It, it's silly. I, it, I remember. I think it was Duke with Coach K. This was a few years back. His team wasn't playing defense. He wasn't happy about it. It was like midway oh, through the year. Yeah. yeah. Took the, and he uh, like he he took their stools. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And it was like uh, why? Uh, why? Yeah. Uh, I think uh Kim Anderson did something similar a few years back where he like he, he took I don't remember what it was exactly, but he he did one of these gimmicky things and it's it's silly it doesn't matter um and i just i wouldn't read too much into it one way or the other it doesn't make drink a good coach it doesn't make no. him a bad one what, what he's going to be judged by is wins and losses and this is just it's just something that coaches do
0: if I, if it was me i would fully embrace the silliness of this and if it was yeah if it was a freshman who wasn't uh, who hadn't earned his number yet on game day i'd let him wear a jersey with a number but instead of his name it's the poop emoji Yep, that's what you are now.
1: I'm just going to let that one sit. <laughs> I'm just going to let that one sit.
0: Uh, in serious news, though, the second receiver to earn his number, Chance Looper, coach's kid. Hmm, interesting. You know, two-star who is a preferred walk-on, so he is not on scholarship this year because of the restrictions. He would have been otherwise. Uh, but he was the second one, which I thought was really interesting. So, huh. uh, And then that J.J. Hester was the third,
1: so... Hazleton hasn't earned his yet. He has not. Interesting. I know.
0: Unless recently. I haven't checked Twitter in a while, but yeah, I'm sure he's going to be fine. (laughs) Speaking of checking Twitter, Rocky Nation put out a little query uh, asking people, uh, what's your best piece of advice when it comes to planning a wedding or making it through the day? Because BK, Mm -hmm. we care about you. We care about you, and we want you to have a great wedding. So we're going to read a couple of these, the ones that are good. A lot of you got some jokes, the same joke, in fact. So, ha, ha don't get married, ha, ha Funny. funny. Um, <laughs> y'all are funny. But I want to share a couple of these with you, BK. So write these down because these are very important. Um, of course, dear old Madam Editor Karen said she wants to make your signs. Apparently that's the most important thing to her, so write that down. That's important. Uh, Charles at Big Rig Inc. Don't stress too much about guests. The list, the seating, having time with them on the big day. The most important thing is the person you're sharing it with. No one else will remember the details. Which? That's good advice. Yeah, I'd mostly admit it. I agree with that. I think that's a pretty good one. Um, uh, Mitchell Jenkins probably with the most most clutch a uh, piece of advice at coach underscore J22 drink water. <laughs> Lots of it. <laughs> Stay hydrated friends. Uh, very good choice. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, Brad Tregnego at Brad Tregnago says tell her she can do whatever, but request veto power on things you really don't like. I told you that a couple weeks ago. This day mm-hmm. does not mean as much to you as it does to her. Well, I mean it is important but this is her dream day. So, you definitely want to make sure that she gets a lot of what she likes, but also make sure you get a lot of what you like. Or at least the stuff that you care about. Um That's probably the best one. Yeah, all these are the same joke over and over again. So, good good job rocking <laughs> listenership. Um my new piece of advice for you, young man, um is, well, the one I'm going to go with, and for all you people who are not married yet but are looking for it, here's here's my advice for you as well. Day of BK, crazy, absolutely crazy. You're hydrating because you got a big day ahead of you. You got pictures, you got the ceremony, you got everything that goes into it, all the traveling, all the managing of people, all that sort of stuff. You don't get a whole lot of time to yourself that day, so. I don't know if you're doing the ceremony and the reception in the same venue. That's my other pro tip, doing the same venue if you can, unless the you, are not. you or the wife or the the uh, the money disagree with that sort of thing. But regardless, after the ceremony is done, put in the schedule somewhere for the two of you to just sit quietly, ideally with a glass of champagne, maybe a couple of the uh, appetizers that are floating around, and just the first five minutes of your marriage, just be married together in, in peace and quiet. That's my best piece of advice. We did that. It was amazing. It was surreal. And after five minutes, we had uh, our officiant come in and we signed the documents and then we went back out to the party. But your first thing to do as a married couple is to hang out together and drink champagne? That's a pretty sweet memory.
1: I like that. I like that. I like that idea. Um, we are... We have decided to do it at, or at least I think we are decided to do it, at at her church. Um, So we'll do the ceremony there. Mm -hmm. And then we have a venue that we have officially booked. So we are going to have a December wedding of next year. Um, We are going to do it downtown in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. So um, between the time of the ceremony and the time of the reception downtown at our venue, we will have a party bus. We have... Um, a very, very large wedding party, Nate. Uh, I will have all of 11 groomsmen. She will have all of 11 bridesmaids. What? So it will be a, uh, it'll be a straight tour bus as we walk up onto the stage. It's gonna be great. Um, that was obviously not a me decision. Uh, so
0: BK, I don't think I've met 11 people in my life, so uh, good luck.
1: My buddy uh, my buddy, told me the other day, he was like, so you're running into some issues here because, you know, if you've got, like, five groomsmen, most of the people in the audience agree, like, okay, yeah, probably wasn't as close as one of those five, <laughs> right? Like, th- th- those guys deserved to be his groomsmen. Yeah. He's like, once you get to, like, number nine through 11, there's going to be a whole lot of people in the audience that are like, man, I was closer with him <laughs> than that dude. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, wow, 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 wow. Um
1: So yeah, that that's uh that's where we are, Nate. That's that's where we are right now.
0: You guys have a lot of friends. I'm very impressed. <sighs> but that'll be good. You and
1: It'll be great. Party It'll be great. Bus We've people. got we're going to have a uh we're going to have a party bus with like 45 people on it. Nate, do you know how many buses in St. Louis allow for up to 45 people?
0: Uh two put together? <laughs> or just one bus of 45 people?
1: One bus of 45 people. I
0: uh, can't imagine it's a lot.
1: There's one. There are. Oh, you found them. <laughs> there, there is exactly. Well, let me clarify. There are two. I looked up the reviews on one of them, and multiple people have been left out in the middle of nowhere yeah. on that particular Survival bus. Survival of the
0: fittest, baby. <laughs>
1: because it had been it had broken down randomly so uh in all reality there is one there are technically two there is one
0: uh we're not going to name drop them because they don't support the show but they can if they want to yeah right come on we got a guy who needs a party bus for free these things aren't cheap come on support our show
1: you ain't lying brother
0: that's exciting man uh getting the venue was such a huge relief for us getting the, well because the venue and the date go together getting those two together was a huge relief so that's a that's a big one and uh that's a big step congratulations man
1: the first domino has officially fallen the uh the venue has been selected the date has been selected we are narrowing down the caterers um and from what i understand the next big one is the photographer which man i don't know how you in in this day and age i have no idea how you pick a photographer but we'll attempt to figure that one out
0: we'll talk off mike i got a good one for you you (laughs) don't you worry uh so yeah that's a wedding talk with nate and bk um we got to figure out your hashtag too man we got to figure that out that's very important
1: yeah i actually at BK Sports talk on twitter uh i need any and all recommendations for this so my name is Brandon Kylie. You know that by listening to this show, I would assume. Uh, my fiance's name is Kara. So, Kara and Brandon Kylie. If you got any recommendations for a hashtag, by all means, send, the, send those my way at bksports.com. Because we got nothing so Can far. you
0: guess what ours was?
1: No, I probably could potentially you, you if could, I had more time, if I gave you more but the than, moment yeah, I don't. If
0: I gave you more than podcast seconds, you could definitely figure it out. Ours was Newly wed words.
1: That's well done. Yeah. yeah, That's well done.
0: Now, I remember a lot of people had a lot of opinions because uh, my wife's uh, maiden name was like super unique, super interesting, so there's a lot of puns on that, but they all sucked. Uh, so we just <laughs> went with Newly wed words and that was, it fit. It worked. It was very good.
1: So You, you got you to gotta find something that is both not totally hideous yep. and also like something that you're going to look back on and be like, oh, okay, yeah. that, that, that kind of fit. Yeah. That fit. Yeah. <sighs>
0: yeah. Well, BK, anything else before we get out of here?
1: I don't think so, man. I think we hit on it all. Let's just hope that we play football this fall. Let's hope.
0: Uh, wash your hands, wear masks, stay six feet away. Please, God, all you college kids out there, make a smart decision. Because that's our show today, and uh, we appreciate the downloads. We appreciate the subscriptions. Leave a comment. You can rate us. We love all types of feedback from you guys. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G Edwards. He is at PK Sports Talk. Hit him with hashtags, uh, and of course, you can follow the Rocking Flagship at Rock M Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time, and until then, M I Z
1: Z O U.